I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, we got rid of the Christmas music. I know. I know. Epiphany's tomorrow, and then the baptism of the Lord is on Monday. Uh, I get that. But, uh, you know, uh, Epiphany is the 12th day of Christmas. It's not a movable feast. I know that we move it. I know that we celebrate it on on whenever that Sunday falls. But, you know, uh, it's kind of like moving a kid's birthday. Sometimes you have to do it. But the birthday doesn't move. And Epiphany is the 6th of January. Uh, so we're past that <laughs> by a day. So no Christmas music for you. No soup for you. Uh, so uh, glad to have you on the show today. We're going to talk about Epiphany today. We're going to talk about uh, what this means for us. You know, Epiphany sometimes gets kind of confused with Christmas and what is what is Epiphany really? And it's the three wise men and that's part of the story of Christmas. So why are we doing it separately? And I get it. I do. We're going to talk about that today. We've got a, a great guest later in the show. We're going to be talking with Jason Gale. He is the director of the Catechist Formation Program at Aquinas College. Uh, I ran into him on Facebook just uh, just by chance over in the Forming Intentional Disciples group. Of course, that's a book by Sherry Waddell. So there's this whole Facebook group set up of people who have uh, encountered the book and or, or follow the principles of the book and the way that they... Uh, try to pass on the faith. And so I'm over there and talking about Epiphany, and I put out a call to see if anyone's interested. And Jason had some really great thoughts. And so we're going to talk with him later in the show. Uh, But before we get there, I want to talk to you about Epiphany. Uh, You know, Epiphany is this, uh, I don't know, it's this appendage that nobody knows what to do with. It's this feast that's kind of stuck out there. and, And no one really gets what we're doing. But Epiphany uh, is really the celebration of a couple of things. We, we tr- generally associate it with the three kings, right? But Epiphany celebrates three different instances, right? It's three specific things where Christ is revealed to the world. So first, we've got the three kings because Christ is born as an infant in, in poverty. And here are these three kings who come and offer him homage. And they do so with three gifts that are prophetic in 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 a sense. So you're giving this baby gold, which is a, a gift that you would give a king. You're giving this, this infant incense, frankincense, which is something that you offer to God, right? That's where we use incense most often is in worship. And then they offer him myrrh. And myrrh is something that you would use to prepare a body for death. And so here we have this these three gifts that are prophetic of who Christ is, and they reveal something about him, right? But there's more to Epiphany than just the three kings. We also celebrate the baptism of the Lord. This is something now we've, uh, in recent years, we've separated that feast out and given it its own day, but that's part of Epiphany traditionally, where we see that the Holy Spirit descends on Christ like a dove and the voice comes from heaven, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And Christ, again, is revealed to the world. There's a revelation. There is an epiphany of who Christ is. Uh, and then the last thing, there's a third thing that we celebrate during Epiphany traditionally, and that's the wedding at Cana, which is something that uh, that's a story near and dear to my heart because of my years in marriage ministry. Here we have Christ 
participating in a marriage, not only in the sense that he's there as a witness and he's there celebrating with a couple, but he actually gets involved and gets his hands dirty at the request of his mother. And uh, there's a, a blog, I'm going to post it because, you know, we, we read this story of the wedding at Cana and we always think that uh, Mary's being manipulative. Uh, it, it's not my time yet. And so then she goes and says, do whatever he tells you, right? And then the servants uh, turn to Jesus and Jesus caves, right? Well, that's that's how I've traditionally read the story, how a lot of people have traditionally read it. Uh, Joe Heschmeyer, uh, we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, one of my regular guests, one of my favorite guests, uh, wrote this story about how that really is a second fiat where Mary, again, is seeing the, the mission of her son and saying, let it be done to me according to your word. And that's, so I, I'm going to, I'm not going to break that down at all here. I'm going to link to it. And if you're at all interested in that story, the story of the wedding at Cana and how Christ relates to Mary and what that whole thing looks like, go to social media right now. It's already up. I've got it there for you. Uh, great blog by, uh, by our good friend, Joe Heschmeyer. But I want to look at a different angle because the question that I have today is this. Here, I think these epiphanies not only uh, tell us how Christ was revealed, I think they tell us how Christ is to be revealed, right? Uh, Christ has died and, and has risen from the dead and has ascended into heaven and is not made manifest in a very obvious way anymore, right? He's manifestly present in the Mass through the Eucharist. Uh, he's, he's manifestly present also uh, in the body of Christ, his church. But I want to talk about a way that we can contribute to the epiphany uh, of others, for, for Christ to be revealed to others. So let's look at these three stories for just a minute. We have the story of the three kings, and we're going to talk about those a little bit more in depth uh, with Jason Gale, our guest today. Uh, but uh, we look at the, the three kings, and I want to look at one aspect. They come and they worship, right? Christ is revealed in their worship. And I think very much so, Christ is revealed in our worship worship, right? The, the way that we worship reveals who Christ is. This is one of the reasons that uh, I am really in favor of a reverent mass. You know, the, I used to be the, the praise and worship leader at, at Protestant churches. I did the lights and big drums. I, I led the band. I get this. I, I know that there is an appeal to us in doing that. But I want to remind us that, that we're coming to worship God, God Almighty. And it's not really about our preferences. It's about God's preferences. It's about how is he going to be revealed as God, right? How can we make this epiphany come to fruition? And I think one of the ways we do that is by reverently participating in the Mass, by, by making sure as much as we're able, and as parents it's hard, but make sure as much as we're able to be present in the prayers that we offer at Mass, to, to offer our own hearts and our own intentions and put them up on the altar as well. Remember, it's our sacrifice, your sacrifice and ours, right? Be acceptable to the Lord Almighty. I'm making a sacrifice there as well. And so uh, as I make that sacrifice, as I worship God, I reveal Him. People, when they see us from the outside, people 
are, are made aware of who God is by our worship. And if our worship is hokey or if our worship is subpar, any of these things, then, then it doesn't, I think, do as good a job making Christ present. Now, maybe you're at a guitar mass. Christ is still present there, right? No question, none at all. With the with prayers of the priest, Christ is made manifest in the mass and we receive him. Uh, but I want to encourage you, whatever mass you go to, to invest yourself and your energy and your time in worship. Do everything you can to really understand what it means to worship God through the Mass. It's not just a service we sit through that's boring and dull and dry, but there's something of a God who is worthy of our homage and and making that part of what we do at Mass because Christ is revealed in our worship. Second thing, we've got the, uh, the story of the baptism of the Lord. Christ is revealed in our obedience. Uh, John didn't have to baptize Jesus. Jesus didn't didn't have to be baptized because baptism is for the forgiveness of sins, and of course Christ is without sin, and so he did it. Uh, uh, so there are different theories. One one of them that I love is that in his baptism he sanctified the waters of our baptism. He made holy the waters of our baptism, uh, and so but in in that obedience. Christ is made manifest. He's made uh, known. The epiphany is given. And the third thing is Christ is made known in vocation, right? This goes really both for baptism of the Lord and for uh, the the wedding at Cana. The, their two lessons are interchangeable because John the Baptist was living his vocation. This couple was living their vocation, entering into marriage. And then you also have obedience in both cases where John baptizes and Jesus submits to baptism. And then the servants saying, okay, we're going to do whatever you tell us to do. When they took the water uh, out to to the, the main person, for all they knew, it was just water, right? The, the miracle wasn't revealed until the steward drank from the jar and all of a sudden it's wine, right? There's this obedience and this faith of saying, okay, we're the servants. You're just a person who's, he had no history of miracles yet, right? This is his first miracle. Uh, But I'm going to take this water out to the main steward who hired me. And so this radical obedience, this radical faith is displayed. And through that, Christ is made known. There is this epiphany. And so I want to encourage you to think about how you can, through your worship, through your obedience, and through living your vocation well, you can make Christ known. You can make Christ uh, known to others, this epiphany ongoing all throughout, not just something we celebrate way back when, but a pattern for how we can make Christ known today. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Jason Gale. He's the director of the Catechist Formation Program over at Aquinas College in Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to get his thoughts uh, on the season of Epiphany and specifically on the Three Kings. Join us over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls or on Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And let's have a conversation about Epiphany. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. 
Thanks for sticking through the break today. Got a great show for you. We're talking today with Jason Gale, a guy I just met here on Facebook uh, because I do hang out there from time to time. Uh, and we're both members of the Forming Intentional Disciples group there on Facebook. It's an open group. So if that's something you're interested in, come on over and join us. Uh, but Jason is the director of Catechist Formation Program at Aquinas College in Nashville. He hangs out with a couple of nuns, and they, uh, the Nashville Dominicans, and they help out with that program. Currently uh, working to train catechists in the dioceses of Nashville, Knoxville, and Lexington. But uh, if that's something you're interested in, if you want to maybe learn a little bit better how to convey your faith, they also have an online program. We'll talk about that here in a bit. Uh, Jason, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Timothy. So Great you, to be here. You started out in San Antonio, uh, which I, I hail from the north side of Texas, from northwest Texas. So, oh, very uh, good. Uh, but, but I, too, have found my way away from Texas. Now I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, and you are in Nashville, but you made a stop through, uh, through Franciscan University. You got your bachelor's and your first master's there and then decided that wasn't enough. So you decided to skip across the pond. Now you're doing a second master's in, in theology and catechetics, and you've done that, and now you're working on your doctorate because why not? Hey. Yeah, and, and actually it's uh, it's an ecclesiastical license. Okay. So it's, uh, just in case there weren't enough degrees in right. theology and catechetics, they did, the, the, the Vatican offers one that's in between a, uh, a master's and a PhD. So okay. that ecclesiastical license is a, uh, it's a license of divinity. And, um, yeah, it means hardly anything to the majority of the world, <laughs> even the Catholic world, but well, you know, uh, we're supposed to be shares in, in the divine life. You got to get a little bit of divinity, right? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. So, uh, yeah, you got to participate in that grace, but, uh, and you can even get, get a degree in it. So, uh, yeah, yeah it's a great opportunity. And, and just, you know, uh, catechesis especially is a big passion of mine. And so, you know, the fact that you can get degrees in it is, uh, uh even, uh, even more special. And, uh, uh, I just enjoy, uh, just the, the, the learning aspect of it. And, uh, especially in my, in my current position, working with the sisters, it's a, it's a great opportunity. Uh, and especially to, uh, they bring in that Dominican element mm -hmm. where, uh, uh, their teaching is a fruit of their prayer. It's a fruit of contemplations, yeah. the, the Dominican way and stuff. And it really shines forth uh, uh, in their presentations and then in the way that they uh, uh, present the Catholic faith. It really uh, shines forth as a fruit of their prayer life. Um, Do you ever fill out numbers? Actually, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, or 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 I've been to to some where uh, where the sisters weren't able to make it for one of the talks, and you can see the disappointment in the, <laughs> the people's faces when the, when a lowly layman stands before them. But uh, uh, no, it's great. It's great to work with them. They're uh, they're just the most generous and hospitable yeah. uh, uh, sisters I've worked with. So now you you also you you are living a vocational life. Uh, you're married. Uh, yep. Four children, one on the way. Yep. Four children. The fifth will be here sometime in June. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a handful, but, uh, uh, we do it. And, uh, we just, just the, the, the joy of being a father is just absolutely wonderful. You understand this. And, uh, uh, just the, the things that my, my own children teach me about, uh, God, the father, I think has been one of the most beautiful lessons I've learned, you know, you know, because we can sit here and kind of imagine, okay, well, what is God like as a father and stuff? But then when you're a father, you're like, wow, 
Okay. Yeah. I understand it a little bit closer. I, I get it a little bit more. Yeah, we have, uh, my wife and I, we've been married just uh, just over 10 years, and we have, um, uh, together, we've got six kids and one on the way. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I get the handful thing, right? But there's this sense of, it's a, a crystallizing and a clarifying thing within our own faith is we have to try and find a way to simplify it and explain the faith to these small children uh, to say, oh, well, I guess it really isn't all that tricky after all. I guess that this is something that I can understand a little bit more clearly just through the process of trying to synthesize it to teach it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, you you uh, especially being in the work of catechesis, you know, one of the things when I worked in a parish uh, uh, you know, I was constantly talking to parents, you know, saying, you know, you are the first and primary educators of your children in the faith, right. you know, and then as a parent, you know, I'll go home and, you know, uh, my child asked me a question, you know, and, and you just, you, you get that, uh, oh, okay, here it is. Yep. You know, you get that, uh, kind of real world experience of, of what that's like. Um, but also to see th- how a child responds uh, uh, to the faith. It's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, and, it, and in a way, it, you know, it impacts you. You know, I remember a particular, uh, uh situation my, when my uh, grandfather passed away mm-hmm. and my, my son was about uh, six at the time and his face just lit up. And he said, you mean he went to heaven? He went to heaven. That's, that's great. He's with Jesus. And, and this joy mm-hmm. came from him. Uh, uh, and he, he had seen me crying and I'm like, you know, you know, wow, the, the, the faith that, you know, right. my child has, you know, is a little more than, you know, me right now, you know. Uh, so it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always a, a learning experience and a, a grace-filled one as well. So now we're, we're in the season of Christmas all the way until Epiphany because, you know, Epiphany really was uh, on the 12th night, the 12th day of Christmas. But being what we are today, we push it to Sunday. We want to celebrate it on the Sunday because no one wants to go to church on Thursday, Yep. Uh, so we celebrate it on Thursday. The The baptism of the Lord we're going to celebrate. It's part of Epiphany. We're going to celebrate that on the 9th. Uh, the, the seasons that we have, the liturgical calendar, is such a great opportunity to help unpack the faith, to teach the faith, uh, because there's so many op- so many of the stories, so many opportunities uh, in, in just the traditional practice of the season that can help us as parents to, to tell our kids about the faith. Oh, absolutely. And the, and, you know, and, and what we try to do as a family is to really, uh, uh, I, I think a beautiful way to, in a simple way to live the faith, you know, if we were to, you know, if we were to have, you know, uh, one minute to explain to, you know, try to help a family, uh, uh, live the Catholic faith, you know, the two things I would immediately point to are the rosary and the liturgical calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, because in both of those, you know, meditating on the life of Christ uh, uh, through the eyes of Mary with the, the aid, you know, uh, of the mother of God. You know, what a, what a more, you know, you can't think of a more perfect way to to reflect on the life of Christ. And then the liturgical calendar where you go through uh, and you celebrate those 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 feast days uh, where, you know, and, and what we all, you know, what I always try to remember, you know, if we're going to you know, make Lent a real penitential season and things like that. We got to also make those feast days right. real times of celebration, not just say, hey, you know, 
the the priest is going to wear white or gold today. You know? <laughs> right. No, you know, make it make it great. Go out to eat. Go get some ice cream. Do something to uh, 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 to really highlight and and literally celebrate. You know, uh, those days. A couple of books that that we found as a family that really help us out with that. One is called The Year in Our Children. Uh, and the other one's called a continual feast, and it just gives you some of those advices, uh, recipes, whatever you need to do to help you live out that feast in a really festive way. Now, I'll- oh yeah, and there's all kinds of activities, and and you know, uh, I, th- I think for for a lot of parents, they you know they they want to you know where do I even start, and that's where you know books like that can really come in handy, or just you know uh, a quick you know. Uh, plug from the pulpit, you know, uh, on on uh, encouraging that uh, uh, that family life. Because again, it's that uh, it's that anything that we can do to, to strengthen that uh, family will uh, uh, tremendously affect absolutely every aspect of the life of the church. You know, yeah. A lot of parents feel really unprepared for the work of teaching their children the faith, and there are those books that are out there. But let's say that a parent wants to do a little bit more. Uh, talk a little bit about your catechetical program uh, in light of some parents who may want to just really do a crash course. What do you have for them? Yeah, so what the uh, what the college offers is, and this was developed about 10 years ago by, by one of the sisters, um, and uh, it's a simple course. It, it's uh, uh, six classes, uh, and each class focuses on one of the pillars of the catechism, um, or on, I'm sorry, on each of the pillars of the catechism, along with uh, a general kind of uh, methods for uh, handing on the faith. Um, and the the sister that designed it just she really put a lot of time and prayer into it, so that you know each course, uh, for example, course one. So each course we have the creed, the sacraments, morality, prayer, and then a methods section. Uh, course one, we focus on uh, I believe. So what is faith? What is dogma? What is the magisterium? And the sacramental section, we focus on the sacrament of baptism. Morality, we focus on that life in Christ. And in the prayer section, we focus on that desire for God, faith and reason. And this goes back to what we had just talked about with, I believe, in the creed section. And so the sister that put this together, it wasn't just let's just take part one, part two, part three, and put them together. Uh, uh, they, they, They really tied it together. So that the 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 uh, the person who's taking it can really see the interconnectedness of our faith. That because one of the especially in catechesis, one of the uh, 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 kind of uh, uh, problems we may fall into is uh, sections will get compartmentalized. All so right. here's what we believe, and then oh yeah, this is what Catholics do. You know, right. here's the do's and don'ts of the church. Well, actually, the morality section is called life in Christ. Right. You know. Now, how would someone find out more information? Where would they go to look this up? Yeah, the best place to go is our website at aquinascollege.edu. And you can find your way through the academic section uh, to the Office of Catechesis. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Jason Gale. He's the director of the Catechist Formation Program at Aquinas College in Nashville. Uh, We're also going to talk with him about the three kings, specifically what we can learn from them during this season of Epiphany. Join us over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Join that conversation, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you're here today. We're talking now in this segment about epiphany, about the uh, what epiphany is, where, where it comes from, and what we can appropriate from it today. We're talking with Jason Gale. He's the director of the Catechist Formation Program at Aquinas College in Nashville. And it's great to have you on here. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Timothy. So in Epiphany, we're celebrating three specific things. Epif- of course, Epiphany, we, we think of the, the mad scientist going, Epiphany, I had an Epiphany, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's the revelation of something. It's a realization. And so in Epiphany, we celebrate three things traditionally within the church. We celebrate the, the coming of the three kings, the magi, right, and the gifts that they gave. That, that's a, one way that Christ was revealed. We, we also celebrate the, um, the, the baptism of the Lord. Right where uh, through the Holy Spirit coming down and John the Baptist baptizing him, uh, Christ is revealed in another way as the Son of God. And then last we we celebrate the wedding at Cana, which I think always gets short shift because uh, we always focus on the other two. But in that first miracle in his ministry, that's another way that Christ was revealed. And so really what we're celebrating, even as we oftentimes focus on the three kings, is Christ's revelation to us as Emmanuel, as God with us, as something more than just a prophet, more than just a human, but actually uh, the divine person dwelling with us. So we were talking on the uh, on the Facebook group, on the uh, Forming Intentional Disciples group about this, and you brought up a couple of questions that when you think about Epiphany, when you think about the Three Kings, some things that come to mind. So why don't you just take it away? Yeah, I think... Uh, when, whenever we talk about epiphany, you know, sometimes uh, we immediately go to the gifts, mm-hmm. you know, and we say, well, these men, they traveled very far, you know, they were kings. And all, but and we immediately go to the gifts. But I think there's a, a, a lot that we can learn from the Magi themselves and, and not to go into any of the, the, the historical significance of who they were and all the uh, uh, circumstances surrounding them. But when we look at the Magi themselves, we can we can see that. They were not Jews, right. but yet here they were exercising a faith that was given to them by God. It was a, it was a true gift. I mean, uh, the, the, they believed the prophecy that was there and they acted on it, you know. Um, and so when we look uh, uh, at uh, the early church fathers, you know, they even hinted at this uh, in some of their commentary on Matthew's gospel. Uh, for example— uh, St. Anselm, in his commentary, he talks about the threefold gift as the Magi having a threefold faith in God, namely the Trinity, mm-hmm. uh, that it, it kind of points to this. You know, Saint, uh, another one would be uh, St. Leo. Uh, he talks about how that this, this journey that the Magi made, uh, uh, it, was, it was an act of faith that they didn't necessarily need to do for their own profit right. because they believed but, you know, like the baptism of our Lord, you know, he didn't have to do it, but he did it for our sake. In the same way, the, it, uh, uh, St. Leo says that it profited us, you know, that, they, that in their earnestness, in their perseverance, that they went to see the child. You right. know, in the same way, you know, uh, Thomas, after the Lord's resurrection, uh, he felt the marks of Christ. You know, this has great uh, profit to us. Again, uh, uh, everything we, we read in Scripture that surrounds Christ can can teach us, can can guide us, and so 
this uh, uh, the, this journey that the, the, the that the magi made uh, was a real living out of their faith that they went on this journey um, and uh, they they followed that star and uh, while you know we can read that you know Herod saw them as a threat right and other people thought them uh, fools you know uh, what if this was all for waste you know you know there's a there's a famous poem by T S Eliot about the journey. Uh, of the Magi, uh, talks about how hard it was, you know, uh, and he ends that, you know, talking about, you know, what if this is all for not, you know, what if this is for, for nothing, you know? Um, well, that's, you know, uh, a, a bit of that uh, mis- uh, mystery aspect of our faith, that there's always something there that we can uh, uh, seek and, and know, yet not fully known. Uh, and this is something that the Magi exercise. And that's something that, that's a, a picture that I love because, yes, they had a specific belief that drove them there. That maybe they had a different prophecy that they understood it to be a king. Maybe it wasn't the Hebrew prophecy, but somehow God worked this orchestra out that their exercising of a faith in something that they didn't really fully understand uh, brought about a greater revelation of who God was to the rest of us. Yeah, exactly, and and it also goes to sh- uh, point to again, again these these uh, uh, the, the the details there. They can tell us so much about who God is that he's that he didn't just come for the Jews, that he came for the Gentiles as well. I mean, here you have some of the first people to exercise a faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as being not Jewish, mm-hmm. uh, and here they were, uh, uh, you know, in a in a in a great way. You know, they were kings themselves, yet they knelt down in adoration uh, uh, to this Jewish king, to the king of the Jews. And so, uh, you know, that in itself uh, can show us uh, not just uh, how um, amazing the response was on the part of the Magi, but also how amazing God's grace can be and that gift of faith. Well, and that that draw, uh, because it wasn't just that they were kneeling before the king of kings. Here they are in in the home, most likely a peasant home, not a palace, uh, to to parents who weren't dressed in finery, to coming into poverty and in all of their richness, and and still realizing that in this humility was something worth honoring, with something worth bowing down to. Yeah, I mean, think about it. They just came from Herod, so you know the 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 fact that Herod even saw them mean that they uh, meant that they had some sort of stature. You know, and you don't picture Herod as right. you know the warm gate greeter, you know, <laughs> as people as people pass through. Uh, uh, so you know that they had some stature, and they they find this you know this cave, this this stable, uh, uh, and the child, and they kneel before them. You know, Mary, who probably didn't have a whole lot. You know, Joseph, the same. Um, and, uh, you, you see that again, and I think that that aspect that you brought up humility is so important because that's one of the first kind of, uh, aspects to, uh, responding to God's grace in an act of faith. Right. That humility is a huge aspect to that. Right. Well, and, and let's talk about what this means for us uh, as we look at the, the Magi, the Kings as a representation of of how we're to behave towards Christ, uh, towards Christ in the ways that we don't expect him to come, right? Towards, uh, towards frustrations, towards humiliation, maybe, towards whatever the case may be, here are these magi experiencing a, a king in a way completely different than they would expect, and yet still acting in faith and obedience, 
right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing, and I think a good way we can we can understand that is to uh, uh, look at the return journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture just mentions it very quickly, you know, that they returned a different way. Well, you know, what does that tell us? Well, for for us, you know, the the, the practical consequences of that is that they sought out Christ in faith. They were focused on that star, and that star, you know, can really, uh, we can understand that star as, you know, Christ coming into the world, the lightness, uh, illuminating the darkness. And the Magi here are changed. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, we should be changed. We cannot go back to our former way of life, that we have to go back a different way. And we see this in the story of, uh, uh, of the Magi, even um, uh, one of the homilies of Gregory, uh, he talks about this. He says, uh, uh, we may learn much from this return of the Magi another way. Our country is paradise, to which after we have come to the knowledge of Christ, we are forbidden to return the way we came. We have left this country by pride, disobedience, following things of sight, tasting forbidden food, and we must return to it by repentance, obedience, by uh, by condemning things of sight and overcoming carnal appetite, you know. Yeah. Uh, so in a very real way, he talks about how this is uh, not just a, a a physical return journey for the Magi, but a spiritual return for the person who experiences Christ in a most real way. Something else I see in this: we've got these these kings, these Magi, who were very in tune with their conscience. They were very in tune with uh, promptings of what we would call now the Holy Spirit. I don't know what they would call it. Uh, but here they they have followed it in faith, followed the star. They've come to this place where they've experienced the Christ child. Uh, but they, their, their gut, as it were, their conscience is so refined that that they listen to it when they say, you know, maybe the first impression with Herod didn't go well, whatever it was, they get this idea of, hey, uh, let's follow this intuition. Let's follow this conscience. Uh, and that comes through a formed conscience. It doesn't just happen uh, accidentally. Otherwise, you know, people follow their guts. Sometimes they're all over the place. These are people who are actually able to discern the right thing to do through having formed their consciences. Yeah, and I think that that formation of conscience is that uh, formation of uh, the reason aided by grace, uh, and in which you know, in a way, that stands at the heart of what an epiphany is. You know, it's kind of that that realization that uh, uh, here's that here's this king, uh, and this king must be protected at all costs. You know, this king is something to be treasured, uh, which uh, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the the magi did. Uh, even to the point, I mean, they, I'm sure they knew that if they were caught by Herod going a different way, right. they would quickly be put to death. You know, so in a way, they were protecting the Lord uh, uh, in their own uh, uh, in their own way. Yeah, we've been talking today with Jason Gale, director of Catechist Formation Program at Aquinas College in Nashville. Jason, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Find out more information about Jason and his work over at AquinasCollege.edu. We'll put a link to his program over on our social media. Join the conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. And talk to me about an epiphany that you had, a time that Christ made himself so real that you had to go home by a different way. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. Just a reminder, if you missed any part of this show, we talked uh, with Jason Gale. He's the director of Catechist Formation, uh, the Catechist Formation Program at Aquinas College in Nashville. If you missed any part of this or if you want to share it with someone else, our our shows are all archived. Uh, you can go get them on a podcast format uh, at iTunes or at Google Play or on Podbean or whatever your listening device of choice is. Uh, you can listen to the show again. You can find out more information about that over at our website, OutsideTheWalls.com. While you're there, don't forget, there's a special thing to do. You can become a friend of the show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what that means is that you love this show, but you can't get enough. You want more. And so we've got a special group of people who, who uh, give to this show out of the, the kindness of their hearts, but also their desire for extra goodies, right? For as little as $10 a month, that's, uh, that's a good pound of coffee. That's it all for a month. And what do you get? You get uh, a special hidden section on Facebook where you get to, to hang out and we'll do live chats. I do giveaways uh, and, uh, and much more. All you got to do is go to the website, OutsideTheWalls.com, click on that thing that says Friend of the Show, scroll down to the button. You get to see the picture of my beautiful children. Scroll down to the button, hit the button, and lo and behold, in a few clicks and a couple of pieces of information, and you're in. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to be a friend of the show to help support the work we do here at Outside the Walls. Uh, That's all I'm going to talk about that today because there's so much more to get to. Uh, We've been talking about epiphany. Uh, and what that means for us, what that means for us today, Epiphany being this this moment where Christ is revealed and we see him in a way that we didn't before. The wise men show it by their worship, right? We show it by our worship. Uh, the, the In the baptism, in John the Baptist's obedience, even though he said, it's not, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. And yet, and yet he went through with it and, and participated in that sacrament and Christ uh, sanctified the waters by his baptism so that our baptism would be efficacious. Uh, and then, of course, the wedding at Cana, uh, the obedience and the, uh, of, of the servants to, to carry out the word of God. And, and these two people just living out their vocation, coming into marriage, revealed Christ. And so, so too, through our obedience, through living our vocation, whether that be a married vocation, whether that be a religious vocation, whatever the case is, by living our vocation, we reveal Christ. And, and so too, through our worship, just like the wise men, we reveal Christ. That epiphany, even though we had these three things that we celebrate each epiphany season, the, the end of Christmas, this, this day of epiphany. It really is kind of more of a season now. We had the day of epiphany, but they've split the feasts, right? Now we have the feast of the baptism of the Lord and the feast of uh, epiphany with the wise men. And so really, even though it's not a season, it kind of is. Uh, so while we're, while we're doing this, uh, there are some just beautiful readings for this Epiphany Day slash season that we're going to get to today. We're going to talk uh, first the reading in Scripture. We're going to do this out of Isaiah. And then we've got this great reading from St. Leo the Great, of course, 
right? It's a great reading <laughs> that we'll get to here in a minute. So let's hear what the church gives us. Uh, and from here on, we'll, we'll go back after today. We'll go back to doing our Saturday readings. Uh, but this, of course, is the, the Feast of Epiphany. It falls on Sunday this year. Uh, well, actually, it always falls on a Thursday, but we always bump it to the Sunday because that's, that's the way we roll. Uh, listen to the, the words of Scripture here out of the book of Isaiah. Rise in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick clouds cover the peoples. But upon you the Lord shines, and over you appears his glory. Nations shall walk by your light, and kings by your shining radiance. Raise your eyes and look about. They all gather and come to you. Your sons come from afar, your daughters in the arms of their nurses. Then you shall be radiant at what you see. Your heart shall throb and overflow, for the riches of the sea shall be emptied out before you. The wealth of the nations shall be brought to you. Caravans of camels shall fill you. Dromedaries from Midian and Ephaph, all from Sheba, shall come, bearing gold and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. That reading comes from the book of Isaiah. We spend a lot of time in the prophet Isaiah during Advent and Christmas and Epiphany because there is so much pertaining to the Messiah in that, in that book of the prophet Isaiah. So, okay, let's take a look now at this reading, this sermon from St. Leo the Great, uh, and this is his, his homily for the Feast of Epiphany. The loving providence of God determined that in the last days he would aid the world set on its course to destruction. He decreed that all nations should be saved in Christ. A promise had been made to the holy patriarch Abraham in regard to these nations. He was to have countless progeny born not from his body, but from the seed of faith. His descendants are therefore compared with the array of stars. The father of all nations was to hope not in an earthly progeny, but in a progeny from above. Let the full number of nations now take their place in the family of the patriarchs. Let the children of the promise now receive the blessing in the seed of Abraham, the blessing renounced by the children of his flesh. In the persons of the Magi, let all people adore the creator of the universe. Let God be known not in Judea only, but in the whole world, so that his name may be great in all Israel. Dear friends, now that we have received instruction in this revelation of God's grace, let us celebrate with spiritual joy the day of our first harvesting, of the first calling of the Gentiles. Let us give thanks to the merciful God who has made us worthy, in the words of the apostle, to share the position of the saints in light, who has rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. As Isaiah prophesied, the people of the Gentiles who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who dwelt in the region of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He spoke of them to the Lord. The Gentiles who you do not know will invoke you, and the peoples who knew you not will take refuge in you. This is the day that Abraham saw and rejoiced to see, when he knew that the sons born of his faith would be blessed in his seed, that is, in Christ. Believing that he would be the father of the nations, he looked into the future, giving glory to God in full awareness that God is able to do what he promised. 
this is the day that David prophesied in the Psalms when he said, all the nations that you brought into being will come and fall down in adoration in your presence, Lord, and glorify your name. Again, the Lord has made known his salvation. In the sight of the nations, he has revealed his justice. This came to be fulfilled, as we know, from the time when the star beckoned the three wise men out of their distant country and led them to recognize and adore the King of heaven and earth. The obedience of the star calls us to imitate its humble service, to be servants, as best we can, of the grace that invites all men to find Christ. Dear friends, you must have the same zeal to be of help to one another. Then, in the kingdom of God, to which faith and good works are the way, you will shine as children of the light. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with God the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. You know, that reading, uh, I actually have not read that until just now. And I, I always get just a little bit of a, of a giddy feeling when, when an idea that just kind of came to me is uh, something that uh, a pope and a saint has also said. Now, granted, he said it a little bit more eloquently, but this is true that the star asks of us that same obedience, that out of obedience and out of faith, Christ is revealed, that those who still dwell in darkness all around us, they will see a great light, that light that is Christ. So here we are. We're at the end of the season of Christmas. We're at the end of Advent. We're coming into this time that's called ordinary time, right? We pull out the green and everything just comes back into, it's not a feast, it's not a fast, we're not really hugely celebrating. Don't let go of that spirit of Christmas, that spirit of Christmas that says, God came to earth. He took on our flesh. He took on our nature. He redeemed our nature. He became one of us. God dwells with us, right? Don't lose that now that we're leaving the season of Christmas, now that we're past Epiphany. Rather, use this as a springboard, as a launching post to carry with you the glory, the joy of Christmas, the joy of the realization that we've not been left alone. As much as we feel sometimes alone, as much as we don't necessarily see that God is with us, this is where that faith and that obedience and that worship come into play. And through that, not only is Christ revealed to the whole world, but really Christ is revealed to us through our obedience, through our worship, and through our faith. And so I want to encourage you, now that Christmas is over, don't quit going to Mass. Keep going. Maybe add a daily Mass in there. Increase your worship. Increase your obedience. Increase your faith uh, by, by resting and trusting in the graces that God gives to his people. And, and that, if we can do that, then we will have one of the most successful years we've ever had because Christ will be with us. That's all the time we have for today. I'm so glad that you've been here. Don't forget to go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Don't forget to visit the website. Guess what? It's outside the Become a friend of the show. See all the extra stuff we've got. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace. See you next week.